Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation, and you take it from there. Today we continue our series on the outline of faith. Uh, I think we're calling it what we believe. <laughs> I just froze up. <laughs> I just froze up on our name. I'm like, uh, 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 uh. it's a long series. It's been a long time. Um, so, you know, this is, um, I, I was thinking about the name of this episode and we have to decide if we're going to call this what we believe part nine, part two, <laughs> Or if we're going to call this what we believe part 9B. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit again. Uh, it was kind of decided that there's more to say here. And we kind of wanted to uh, dabble into a little bit of what Episcopalians identify um, with the Holy Spirit. So uh, we talked about how um, Pentecostals and Holy Spirits and, you know, holding your hands up in the air and during worship and snakes and other things that, uh, um, what do snakes have to do with the Holy Spirit? Sorry, let me break into that real quick. What is that? What is the whole snake charming? I don't understand that. If you have enough faith, they won't bite you? It says at the end of Mark that you'll pick up serpents and they won't harm you. You'll drink poison, that sort of thing. Oh, <laughs> but, and, there, and, and there but that was added later. And then there's a story in Acts where they get bit by snakes and nothing happens. Or am I making that up? Uh, yeah. I think there's. I think. Yeah, there's a story I'm just kidding. In, <laughs> yeah, you I, are. I think I'm there's kidding. a. No, I think there's kidding. a story in Acts two, uh, or not Acts chapter two, but I think in Acts there is a story about. Paul bit gets by, bit. He gets bit by a snake and he shakes it off. Yeah. So Rubs I think it's this idea that you know, Mark sixteen seventeen is it, Justin? And what is that? And that says that that's and these signs will accompany those who believe by using my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Eighteen. They will pick up snakes in their hands, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. But if you look, every single ancient text that they found doesn't have verses 9 through 20. Oh, really? And so if you look at the end of any newer Bible, you'll see shorter ending of Mark, longer ending of Mark. And the longer ending has all these other things. Oh, that... yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Mark 16. I'm sorry, my head's not working this morning. Right, because that's where it stops at 15-ish, right? Or, or right. does it? Okay, okay. I didn't know that was in there. Oh, how interesting. Well, it starts, it stops at 8. 16, 8. Is where, is a short ending, right. yeah. And then it continues. And, and, and like, Mark, Mark probably truly ended um, at the the woman's response to coming to the tomb and finding it it, it empty, right? Um, and then at some point somebody said, you know, that's we need a we need a better ending to that. Let's you let's, can't let's, close let's it like that. It. He can't just right. die. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, 
Right, okay. Um, it's funny, my NRSV says, the shorter ending of Mark <laughs> is one of the headers. Um, and it, then it goes and it says, the longer ending of Mark. So, interesting. I never knew that the snake stuff was added after that. Okay, so... Um, so it doesn't really have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. I probably introduced that myself to the Pentecostal holding your hands up, spirit-led, and uh, threw the snakes in there too. So I digress. <laughs> so um, in talking about Pentecostal and their interactions with the Holy Spirit, we were talking about, Everett uh, brought up that identifying and talking more about how Episcopalians interact, um, that's my word this morning, I guess, with the Holy Spirit. So, Everett, where um, do we or how do we approach and interact with the Holy Spirit in the Episcopal Church? So, what's what's interesting um, is, and I go back to my liturgy professor, um, Nathan Jennings, and you know, one of the things that is um, in the in the seventies, there was this sort of charismatic renewal movement um, that many mainline churches went through, including the Episcopal Church. And so there was this renewed interest in um, the working of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, healings, um, speaking in tongues, all of these. Uh, all of these things and 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 it wasn't always well received there was there has been this sort of um mainline aversion to anything that seemed to border on the emotional and you can even go back to the preaching of george whitfield and jonathan edwards and the criticisms at that time that you know they were you know they 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 they, they were too entertaining and didn't have substance and so there's always been sort of this mainline um aversion to anything that kind of borders on you know on that but pause there. i think one pa i pause there yeah. and keep your thought if you would so you're yeah. saying um that episcopalians if you will i guess um judged jonathan edwards on it being his sermons being too uppity up and charismatic um, well, I, I, the, the criticism at the time, I'm not saying, cause I mean, Edwards wasn't, wasn't an Anglican preacher, but, um, the criticism of the revivalist preachers that Edwards, Whitfield and others were part of was that they were sort of too showy mm. and they weren't, you know, they weren't, they weren't serious because, you know, Serious is something that's reserved. You're right. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just too too emotional to hype up the crowd and get everybody <laughs> drunk yeah, on energy. I mean, <laughs> that's interesting, yeah, I mean, isn't it? Edwards is the uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's a sermon, right? That's not a book. Yes. Okay. It's a sermon. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Continue. Hopefully, you can keep your spot there. You were ever. So, uh, traditions, which the Episcopal Church is part of the mainline tradition, um, has, lo has long had a, I mean, this is the same criticism of Wesley, right? I mean, 
you know, this is this this is why uh, Episcopalians were, were were critical of Wesley. Um, but but in the seventies, um, you saw this um, sort of charismatic renewal movement that occurred um, in mainline traditions, including the Episcopal Church. Um, I think and it started I, in the '60s. Of it. Was it what '60s? Okay. Yeah. '60s. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> sure. Uh, You're welcome, Everett. <laughs> and so, so one is is that we have we you know we have this as part of 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 our tradition. I think there are good ways of talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, in, in what we might even more, you know call charismatic ways, and I think there's also some unhealthy ways. So that's you know. All right. What's a okay? So what's what is um, where do you find the Holy Spirit in the Episcopal Church? Um, I mean, every Sunday, day in each Sunday. Um, so you know, you talked about the Eucharist. Develop that if you a little bit, if you would, please. So in, in the Eucharist, there's this uh, part of the service, uh, the Eucharistic prayer that we call the Epiclesis, which is um, where we call the Holy Spirit to descend upon this bread and wine to become the body and blood of Jesus Christ and to, to, to descend upon the congregation there gathered, you know, um, that, that, we, that, that we too are the body of Christ. And so one of the workings of the Holy Spirit is the gathering of the people into, in, in, into the body of Christ. Um, and I think that's an undeveloped portion of our, of our theology mm, that we kind of yeah. just breeze past. Right. Would it, um, is that uh, what's coming to mind is sanctify us also is the phrase? Is that yeah, that's, yeah. what you're referring to? Okay, so in the Eucharistic prayer, um, there is the, uh, whoa, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> what do you say right before that, that sanctifies the bread and wine? You know, <laughs> everybody's flipping through their papers. Oh, hold on. Page 387. On, oh, wait, that's in prayer. prayer A, it's on page 363. Roll it. Go. Um, we offer you these gifts, sanctify them by your Holy Spirit. There you go. To be for people, the body and blood of your son. And then we say that you, we also will be sanctified. So there's yeah. a Pentecost-like little trigger in there to that we're calling the Holy Spirit. The priest is calling the Holy Spirit not only down on the bread. I say down. <laughs> um, on the bread and wine, but also on the community, the present community. The community that is present, sorry. How interesting. You're right, Everett. That is not developed. <laughs> I know I've always known the sanctify us, uh, sanctify us also part, but I've also, I, I never put that text together. Um, and so, oh, construction going on. Woohoo! <laughs> we inherited that from the Scottish church. How, what? Um, the sanctify us by your Holy Spirit. The English refused to ordain um, our first bishop after yes. the re revolution. Right. And so um, the Scottish were willing, and but the, they asked us. 
it wasn't a condition, but they asked us to keep the epiclesis, this calling down of the spirit that they had in their prayer book. And so is that, when we put a mm-hmm. first American prayer book, we added it. And is it's that... Been a, sorry, I kept interrupting you. My bad. Go ahead. It's okay. Go ahead. So is that... Are you saying that in the Anglican church... Because American is American <laughs> is Episcopalian, and I don't know. I don't even want to say European because that just makes it sound like it's only in Europe. But outside of that is Anglican, and the Anglican prayer book does not have that sanctification piece. Well, the English 1662 prayer book doesn't have it, but it's pretty much made its way into to to everywhere at this point. It's funny, now that it's been identified to me by Everett, I'm thinking, what an important part. <laughs> How could we let this happen? <laughs> mm-hmm. what, what's wrong with us? <laughs> so, um, no, but seriously, <laughs> I'm sitting here feeling that way now because I'm actually going to talk to our confirmation class <clears throat> about the Holy Spirit since Pentecost is two Sundays away. I think, and um, this Sunday, and uh, you just gave me my my main point to make here because uh, it's calling. You know, um, one of my favorite uh, camp songs, I guess, if you will, uh, is "All Who Are Thirsty," and at the end of it, it has the uh, repeated f- phrase of "Come, Holy Spirit, come," and uh, and it's just a, such a beautiful song if you've never. You can go YouTube it, I'm sure. And um, but that's just such a a something that we as Christians. Uh, let me say my past. I don't remember ever being taught or formed to um, call, ask the Holy Spirit to come in that way. It's just something I don't remember. Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. But it's something that seems so important. So now that. Um, you've identified that for me in the uh, Eucharist, Everett. That just makes it its so important. <laughs> we all have to know this. <laughs> the evangelists come out in me. So, okay, where else um, in the Episcopal, uh, and Tom, you can jump here too. Where else, if within the liturgy or elsewhere, do we identify the Holy Spirit and our um, interaction with it? We have a service for healing the sick. And how does that identify, interact with the Holy Spirit? Well, I mean, we're asking... I mean, traditionally, that's how you understand those sorts of services, that the Spirit is present, and we're responding to... um, the call in scripture that if anyone is sick, they should call the elders of the church. They'll lay their hands on them. Um, it talks about the gifts of healing given by the Spirit. So, And so what we do in that situation at St. Patrick's, it's like the first Wednesday night um, of, of the month. And the priests um, will call anyone who would like... Um, oh, sorry. I just What's the words again? It's a... Yeah. Prayer for healing. Thank you. Prayer for healing. Um, and then they go up, and, and I believe there is, uh, well, I know there's oil. <laughs> and well, they are, sorry? In the prayer, you say, 
As you are outwardly anointed with his holy oil, so may our Heavenly Father grant you the inward anointing of his Holy Spirit, mm. or of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And when you pray, when the bishop consecrates the oil, the bishop says, O Lord, Holy Father, giver of health and salvation, send your Holy Spirit to sanctify this oil. Mm. That as your holy apostles anointed many that were sick and healed them, so may those who in faith and repentance receive this holy unction be made whole. And so that's the prayers of healing. And again, the word sanctification comes up. Let's talk about that for a moment. What is, um, because it sounds like if I'm in right here, that the Holy Spirit is what sanctifies us. Is that correct? I would say yes. Okay. <laughs> and what does sanctification mean? Well, made holy. Set, set apart. Set apart, right? Yeah. And so that is setting us apart and making us holy for what? <laughs> for for serve for for God's service. So okay. you know, anything that you you know, I mean, so it's the same reason, like, like in, in the Eucharistic prayer, you know, sanctify us, O Lord. Um, why? Well, because in a few moments we're going to be dismissed from this place so mm. that we can be ministers of the gospel um, and, and, and healing so that we can, um, so that we can, we can serve you. And I think when we talk about healing, I mean, I think one is, is that particularly being from Oklahoma, we have some bad examples <laughs> of theology around healing. Okay. Right. Um, where, you know, well, if, you know, if, if Mildred, you know, didn't, didn't get healed. It's cause she didn't believe she didn't trust. Um, and, 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 and I think that not only is that spiritually, is that theology spiritually abusive? Mm -hmm. Um, it is, it is just, it is wrong. <laughs> yeah, okay. um, you can keep going. I, I, I think that, and I, and I'll just say this. I, 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 I believe, I believe that God can heal and, and, and I, you know, we all probably have known people who for, for no reason for no, there's no explanation as to why they were healed or recovered or, or whatever. Is it the working of God? Is it, you know, is it a miracle? Is it, you know, the right things happen at the right time? You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, I and bless you people. for saying that. Bless you yeah. for not taking God's role on and trying to explain the divine and the divine's providence or whatever it may be. Um, you know, we talked about this like episode two comes to mind, um, which would be odd if it was really episode two, but um, Interventionist God, I think, is the episode yeah. name. And we talked about this. And, um, man, I've been, since you've been talking, I've been racking my brain about what I'm reading right now, but it talks about sanctification, I believe, um, and it may be even a different word, but it's something to, um, more so along the lines of wholeness, not healed in a sense of we're going to pray you to be healed, but we are going to pray to you to be whole. Um, and wholeness is in that, in that 
it kind of plays a role of like acceptance of where you are and what your status is. That sounds, that doesn't make any sense. But um, so whether you are healed, whether you are sick, whatever it is, is it is a place of wholeness in being one with God and the spirit and so on. Um, and of course, everything around you um, that kind of came to mind, but maybe that's, maybe I'm pointing us down a wrong place with that. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, so I think that I, I think that um, when, when, when what we ask for doesn't happen, uh, we, we don't, we, we don't know. We don't know why. Mm, right. And, um, but all I'm saying is, is that there, the, the, there are things to which I cannot explain in which I believe, you know, a, a, a healing occurred. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump back. Um, Go ahead. You got something else? But, but I, but I, but I think, but, you know, so that's one of those things that, um, the charismatic renewal movement brought into the church that I think has been a positive, which is for us to think about good ways in which we pray for, you know, for, for, for God's, you know, healing. Right. Or the spirit to come. Right. Um, so I want to go back to the healing service, the prayer of healing. And so tell me, so, um, just to paint the picture and set here is at that service, someone may come up, um, and the priest prays over them and anoints them with sanctified oil. Also the, uh, church whoever would like comes up and typically lays hands on that person kind of uh, picture people's arms like there's 30 people in the room and everybody has an, a hand on someone else's shoulder and um they're, they're what it what it why why do we do that tom do you want to answer that or ever well the text just says to lay hands so um so we do it. <laughs> we do it. Yeah, it's it's support. Okay. You know, is there anything communi- with the spirit there? It, it's community. I mean, yes, because all through the New Testament, that's I'm thinking of Simon the sorcerer. Uh, he is doing works of wonder, and then the apostles come, and they're healing the sick, and. And then he says, when he saw that the laying, the gift of the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this gift also. And then they rebuked him. And uh, right, right. So um, it's it always came through the laying on of hands. So okay. Okay. that's why at ordination we have the bishop, you know, lay hands on priests or deacons. Or Let's be honest, the bishop palms your head. <laughs> Our bishop does, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, um, and one other place that I can think about um, is baptism. Kind of an important one. <laughs> and how in the Episcopal Church does is the Holy, Inspo- Holy Spirit involved there? Everett. <laughs> say, that, say that again. In baptism. How is the Holy Spirit involved there? What's that look like in the Episcopal Church? Well, so uh, I mean, so obviously, you know, in baptism, you're you're baptized into the the name of the Trinity. Um, 
And, you know, we recall, you know, for instance, the Holy Spirit moved upon the waters at, at creation. Mm. Um, one Ugh. of the things that we, one of the things we do is we anoint the person who has been, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, marked as Christ's own forever. Um, and, and this is, the, you know, and this is, this is sort of an ordination service, right? I mean, yeah. we, we connect baptism to being a priest of the new covenant. Um, we share in the priesthood of all believers as, as, as we say. Um, and again, I think that's a, that's a part of our undeveloped theology that we don't talk about as a part of baptism is that the Holy Spirit is making you a minister of the gospel. Um, and, and, and so we focus a lot on, you know, salvation from sin, um, being cleansed. Um, we, we, we even, we even talk about, you know, you, you know, being, you know, adopted into God's family and all those things are true and good. But I, I, I think an undeveloped part that we don't talk enough about is how, Baptism is sort of like an ordination service um, where we are all called to be ministers of the gospel, right? We, you know, priest or deacon are not the only ministers. Right. <clears throat> right. It makes me, um, I go back to the royal priesthood, which was um, something I don't say, I started to say ordained, called, um, presented as part of the covenant at Mount Sinai. Um, and, uh, Anyway, back to baptism. It's something to where where it's from Jesus's baptism, where the the dove, which represents the Holy Spirit, ascended. And so, from our baptism service, um, you go down into death, into chaos, into the waters, just like in the creation story, and then you come out into new life, um, just like the resurrection story or the creation story, whichever one. And then uh, the sanctified oil, you are marked, and the Spirit is brought upon you. Again, you are amongst the uh, community there, and the community themselves renews their baptismal covenant. Um, and what I love about this is we talked about in the last episode of the Holy Spirit as it being something that we um, talk about and discern in community through the Spirit. Um, that way there is a piece of uh, humility alongside it. It's just not our agenda. And, um, and the uh, community actually says that they will assist you, especially in a uh, infant baptism, in bringing you up in uh, the faith. And I think that's a really important part because the spirit is at work there over the entire community. Um, anyone else, anyone want to add anything else to that? I think you completely exhausted that topic. <laughs> well, as I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, Everett, is there anywhere else you wanted to touch on? I was going to go to silence next in, in the spirit. Go ahead. So, Tom, you referenced in the last episode that <laughs> we're the worst in silence. <laughs> and it's true. Um, it, it, it makes good sense, I should say, because, I mean, I actually have my phone uh, probably about 14 inches from me <laughs> right now. And it's on Do Not Disturb. And this is one of our silent times from a device. Um, but how do you, how would you encourage people to observe silence and recognize 
either that the spirit is speaking to you or how, you know what, how does silence in the spirit work? Let me just ask that just from your thoughts and opinion. Um, how does that work? What does that look like to you that you would share that with others? How does the spirit work in silence? Yeah. How, how does, yeah. What's that look like? Well, I don't know what it looks like. Um, what I would say is over and over in scripture, and in the history of the church, there's mention of the Spirit constantly pulling us towards God, is the idea, and, trying, and calling people towards God. And if that voice is constantly present, then we have to not be distracted in order to take the cue. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. And so we often... But we're so distracted. We have our phones, entertainment, constant busyness of our lives. And it's, it's every moment of our time is filled up with something. And if, and if you find God in silence, if that's true, that that's the place, then we're in trouble. <laughs> I mean, John of the St. John of the Cross, he has a famous quote. It says, what we need most in order to make progress is to be silent before this great God with our appetite and with our tongue. For the language he hears best is silent love. Hmm. So and I, I encourage people when they're kind of rethinking prayer is to practice just silent prayer just um, go into a quiet place where they can find silence and then just contemplate God, essentially. Know you're, you're with God. Focus all your thoughts on that. And um, So my mantra lately has been, as I spoke about earlier, um, the end of that all who are thirsty song is come Holy Spirit come. And so, um, and I've been using that and it's made me think about the spirit more, um, just by saying that, um, you know, as I mean, just if you want to be very technical, as I breathe in, I say, come Holy Spirit. And then as I breathe out, I say, come. And, um, it's, it's something that I've been practicing since I've been in quarantine and there's something to being in silence. Not that my head shuts down um, after time it does, but there's just something about, um, you know what, I'm going to segue. Hopefully I don't uh, go into a big crazy tunnel here, but at the prayer of healing on Wednesday nights, when people are laying their hands on one another, um, it reminds me of a root system. And a tree, it can feel everything around it. It knows where the water is at. It knows where the nutrients are at. And, and um, there's talk of, in science of trees talking to one another, how they can tell one another where water is and things like that. And I see that in the spirit. And if I sit in silence, I am thought, I think about him led to my community, to the people I love and to other Christians. And just like the trees, we reach out and we can see and feel through the spirit where 
water is needed, um, where things are needed. And it just kind of puts me in touch with that hum, with that divine feeling of the spirit. And um, I think in silence, I kind of walk away from that more in touch, more grounded. Um, I didn't think that was going to come out that way, but I thought that was pretty good. (laughs) So, um, okay. Anything else to add on spirit? We are out of time. I I cannot think of anything. Exhausted. Done. Mm-hmm. Never have a better... <laughs> no, I'm done. Everett, anything to add? That's it. Well, Thank you all. Yep. The, oh, the hardest yeah. thing for me to... I just said this. The hardest thing for me to do because of my restless nature mm-hmm. is to let there be silence in worship. Hmm. Um, it's hard to when you're leading to make room for the silence because you're thinking about the visitors or people don't understand what's going on, what has to happen next. It's hard to keep your self focused and you really need that, especially in liturgical worship. You need to have moments of silence. Contemplation, right? right? Yeah. That's a good, honest thought. I mean, it is because, um, I mean, I experience that on our zoom calls right now. I ask a question (laughs) and it goes completely quiet, you know, and it's intimidating because you're not doing your job if there's not action happening. And that's us getting in the way of the spirit, I would think. Right. Right. Good times. What was that? I think so. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. We will see you for part 9ABC <laughs> whatever it's coming up next thank you all for listening and may the peace of the Lord be always with you thanks for joining us today you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at at fun drain pod we'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics also if you enjoy what we're doing go on to iTunes and give us a review please Thanks a lot.